guys, Alana Terry here. This is part two of our Torn Asunder after show. And I am joined with Jamie Hampton. Jamie and I also co-host the Praying Christian Women podcast. But today we're talking all about Torn Asunder. So just a few quick things. We're going to be talking as if everyone listening has read the whole book. So if you haven't yet, there are going to be spoilers. So you can go back to season three of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Podcast and listen to the entire audiobook. And we also started recording a little bit of the after show and didn't want to cut the conversation short. So this is part two of our Torn Slender after show. So Jamie, thanks again for joining me. This has been so fun. Oh, I know. I've loved talking about this book. Like I said, in our first part, um, I, it's my favorite, favorite, and I loved it. And when we left off, we left off on a big cliffhanger. We were talking last about, time on the yeah, Unabridged Christian Fiction Podcast. <laughs> that's right. I love it. I love it. So yeah, we were we were talking about this time where Hannah is like getting ready to be executed, mm -hmm. and her heart is just totally right with it. She's yeah ready to meet her maker, ready to go mm -hmm. to the point where I was disappointed. Spoiler alert. Yeah. That she didn't die. <laughs> when she survived, it was the most bizarre thing. It was like, wow, that you was- You are not, yeah, you're not the only reader who has said that. Yeah. And I think it's such an interesting, you know, because on the one hand, I think most likely- if she had died, I think readers would have been disappointed, you know, because sure, it's, it's always in the back. It's in the back of your head, like, you, you know, the main character is going to live, right? Right. <laughs> but, you know, I love the fact that you were rooting for her to die because I think it just shows like that would have been far more glorious, right? You know, we always think of death as the bad ending. Mm -hmm. But when you're a Christian, especially in a nation where you're being tortured, for your faith. Yes, please. You know, like <laughs> that would have been her happy ending. And, you know, sometimes I think about, I, I thought about, so up until like I wrote Tornison, I believe is my third novel. And I will go ahead and say like, Hannah felt dearer to me than any other character. Like I felt protective of her. I felt like she encapsulated a lot of who I hoped to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I saw myself back when I was like a teenager with these grandiose dreams of going to the mission field. She's the kind of person I saw myself as striving to be. Mm -hmm. um, and she goes through so much and, and stays strong. And so when people all ask her, I, you know, I, I even toyed with the idea of extending her and Simon's story all the way from like getting out of China, emigrating to the U.S., um, they do end up starting a, or, or pastoring, he's the pastor of a Korean speaking church in the Boston area. So they're connected to um, the CERN's daughter who lives there and lots of other people who are going to show up in other novels of mine that you'll recognize. So I thought about extending their story and, and their romance felt very special to me too. But part of me just didn't want Hannah in particular to have to go through anything else that was sad and traumatizing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted her to have a happily ever after. Um, she does have conception difficulties, which is like alluded to once or twice, which is how they end up adopting um, a baby who, you know, comes in. There are so many Easter eggs in this from other characters, but basically like is, is the way I want the story to roll out, like the only sadness that they ever experience once Torn Asunder ends is 
she's sad that she can't have a baby, but then God gives them a baby through adoption and the rest of the life is just beautiful and happy and perfect because I want her to be happy well, <laughs> and, and safe. She, yeah. Well, and another spoiler is, you know, after her long search for Wung, which led her to the secret seminary. Right. That's not the last she sees of him. We'll just say yes. that. And yes. so that's exciting too to me. But this leads to a really, you know, one of my biggest questions at the very end of the book was she goes through after believing that Simon has died. She mm-hmm. goes through all these things and she's like, this was all for nothing. Like, yeah. This was all for nothing. She even Mr. Hope. Yeah. Even Mr. Who was, who, who was the very first Mr. Tong? Was he the very first yes, Bible the, delivery? The blind man. Yeah. The only Bible that she really yeah. delivered and he died, you know, and she's mm-hmm. like, it was all for nothing. Absolutely nothing. And yet you look back at all of these inter, the way that this story is so interwoven with other stories even in the Alana Terry universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't all for nothing. God had a huge story. And I just love that yeah. your books illustrate in a very digestible way that mm-hmm. we can't do in our own lives because we can't see the big picture. They, they highlight the fact that the tiny story that you're a part of that you're able to see in mm-hmm. from one person's perspective you're one character in one of many books only yeah. it's to a huge degree more of course with god mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's only a tiny picture of what's really right. going on in the big picture and the ripple effects like we as readers can see some of the ripple effects of just very small interactions with right. characters where you know hannah had an influence or hannah had mm-hmm. had a change in history, you know, or right you know, that she doesn't know about. Yeah, she'll never know about probably. Yeah. So, so I liked that thought. But what I, are your I have, thoughts? Yeah, I have two stories about Mr. Tong. Um, mm-hmm. The first one's just kind of funny. So my husband listens to audiobooks but doesn't do a ton of reading, and you know this really isn't his genre. But when Torn Ascender came out on Audible couple years ago, he did listen to it. And it was super fun because he would give me like up to the minute updates on what he was thinking. So he was only a few chapters in. He sends me a text. I really like Mr. Tong. It's really too bad you're going to kill him off. Because he just knew, you know, he knew me. <laughs> like, oh, That's okay, well, yeah. so funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm trying to keep a straight face. You're like, well, how do you know I'm going to Okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> but um, the other really fun thing about Mr. Tong, there's another fun Easter egg. So there's a, an old woman in my books who lives in Seoul and runs an orphanage. Yes, I, yes. Cho, okay, did you connect that? Yeah. Okay, Mrs. Cho is Mr. Tong's wife. They were separated yes. during the war, and neither of them knows if the other is still alive. But we see Mrs. Cho in quite a few other of the North Korea books. And I, I believe Wung spends time at her um, orphanage some, too. So and she's that, the one from The Beloved Daughter, right? Yes, she is in The Beloved Daughter. Yeah. Um, Chung Cha makes an appearance in Torn Asunder. Did you see her? 
Yes. She so, was the, in the, in infirmary. the infirmary. Yes. Yeah. I was going to ask, that was another question. Yeah. I was going to ask yeah. if that was her. That was. And who, okay. So this is another prayer thing that, okay. that piqued my interest is Hannah makes an observation that this teen, teenage girl that had been mm-hmm. beaten and she's in the infirmary who happens mm-hmm. to be Chung Cha from mm-hmm. Slave from Again, the right? Da- or the, the beloved da- daughter. I'm sorry, from mm-hmm. the beloved daughter. Yeah. Um, so she, um, so she says that she's been prayed over, like, mm-hmm. no, like she can sense yeah. that she has mm-hmm. this prayer covering. And mm-hmm. where does that all come from? Where, where were you going with that? Um, a couple things. So again, <laughs> goes back to Voice of the Martyr newsletter, mm-hmm. where I was um, reading an article. And actually, this one might have been from another Christian magazine, but it was an article from someone who was overseas. And I don't even remember if they were on an official mission trip or not. But they saw someone in the marketplace and just decided to pray for that person randomly and realized that given how non-Christian that community was, she might very well be the very first person who's ever prayed for that individual. Mm. And that really, really struck me. Like what we were talking about in our our part one of the after show about how like some people are in prison and and nobody knows. And what a depressing thought. And to think that there might be somebody that nobody's ever prayed for. There are probably billions of people that nobody has ever prayed for. And so Mm. I think that kind of stuck with me. And then I also wanted to find a way to just show readers, hey, guess what, guys? This is Chung Cha, um, whose father was a believer, which is how she ended up in prison camp at camp. Uh, you can call it Camp 22, which is what they do in the narration. I think technically, if you were to like um, uh, transliterate, it's Camp 22. I don't think it really matters. I'm, I'll probably use both interchangeably. But some of it I just wanted to give that little Easter egg of a peek, but also that idea of like, you know, Hannah's probably almost all the prisoners that she's ministering to have never been prayed by somebody before. And just what a stark thought that is. I love that. I, you know, the other day there was a girl, um, a friend of mine from elementary school. I think the last time I saw her, we were in middle school. Mm-hmm. So it's been decades but yeah. since I've seen her. And I've seen her pop up on Facebook, and I noticed that something was going on. She asked for prayers for her mm-hmm. daughter. Mm-hmm. So I just messaged her and said, hey, I don't know what's going on with your daughter. Please let you know, know that I'm praying for you and for her. She let me know that her daughter's going through some terrible, terrible times, dark, dark struggle, mm-hmm. struggles right now. And I, I, and I prayed for her and I just, I, I cried for her like she was my own daughter and yeah. I just felt this prayer burden that I'm still carrying. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is such a beautiful thing about prayer. And it struck me as I was praying for her, like, and it sounds silly being the co-host of a podcast about prayer, but it was mm-hmm. like, prayer really does something. And I mean, I I find after years and years of being Mm -hmm. a Christian, Mm -hmm. I will come to these moments of like, these prayers are changing the fabric of reality. These prayers are tangible in the earthly Mm -hmm. realm, just Mm -hmm. as much so as they are in the spiritual realm. And I I love that. And I love that illustration of that in your story that Mm -hmm. God calls us to pray for these people. So don't ignore those prayer burdens. Don't ignore those moments where you're like, you know, I I feel like I need to pray for this person because whether they're thousands and thousands of miles away, um, Mm -hmm. your prayers can 
can be felt. They're, they're absolutely real, they're tangible. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So I have a really neat story about Camp 22 and it kind of ties into the scene with the execution. Mm-hmm. So you know how um, she's there, she's singing, she gets a vision, like she kind of gets a vision of heaven, but she also gets what, what I believe is just a very clear vision of Camp 22 itself, mm-hmm. you know, of basically this land becoming the seat of an amazing revival. And that came as a direct result of my time in prayer for North Korea and really just sensing in my spirit, this exact same thing, just that the land that once had this prison camp on it will be turned into like a place of worship. Mm-hmm. And Camp 22 is also in the Beloved Daughter. It's, you know, it's kind of the prison, the go-to prison camp whenever I need a prison camp in a North Korea novel. It's the go-to <laughs> prison camp. Okay, so it was based off of um, a real camp. And, okay, so here's the crazy thing. So I would be praying for Camp 22 specifically, but kind of as a symbol of all the prison camps throughout North Korea and kind of having similar pictures that Hannah does of like God just transforming this place into a place of worship. Mm -hmm. And then a couple years passed, you know, I wrote this into my novels. I, you know, like I said, Camp 22 is in a bunch of my books. Maybe like three years after I wrote Torn Asunder, I went to look up Camp 22 because I I was trying to piece together something geographically for a future book. Like, okay, how far would it take to go from here to here or whatever? Is this the real name of the camp? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, wow. Yes, and, okay, getting goosebumps. Camp 22 does not exist anymore. It It no longer is in operation as a prison camp, and it's basically been deserted. Like, it, there is no more camp 22 and so I I almost see that as like step one Mm -hmm. of Hannah's prayer coming true and I almost like to think of people like you who read this novel and that fuels their prayers for North Korea as playing a part in that well I like to think of several like underground local believers huddling in an abandoned prison Mm. praying and worshiping Mm -hmm. Secretly, yeah, yeah, right and now. one day it's not going to be secret. You know, yeah. I I firmly believe yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, very cool. Well, did you have any more questions or comments? Let me see. Hmm. Oh, one other thought that I had. So on the podcast, we had this whole episode about how motivational styles affect mm-hmm. your prayer life. Right. So right. one thought that I had about Hannah was Hannah's a salmon, I think, that she's driven internally. Internally, but probably externally too. But externally also, that's true yeah. by others. But I just I but she she's definitely not a rebel. Yeah. And, but I saw her just like she's she's driven and unwavering and just like pushing upstream, even though even, right. even missionaries around her are saying, mm, tone it down a little bit. I, I yes. don't know. She asked yeah. these questions. Oh, I'm, there was one other, it was a question that she brought up because uh-huh. she's not afraid to ask hard questions. And they're these right. childlike questions that in our know, Christian yes. community are mm-hmm. so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as a reader, I'm thinking, yes, well, yeah, I, I wonder mm-hmm. that too, but I'm afraid mm-hmm. as a 
mature believer, you know, in air quotes. Yeah, right. Ask. And one of the questions that she asks is, and it's kind of up at the top here that I've moved past, but okay, so she says, um, ask and you shall receive. She's like, you know, asking Simon, and they're kind of out, you know, swinging in the hammock, and life is good mm. at the sterns before they go back mm -hmm. to the. Yeah. And she says, you know, that whole ask and you shall receive. Do you think it's a literal promise or just yeah. a generalization? And he's kind of like, like kind of. I don't know, Hannah. Why do you ask tough questions? Yeah, like, come on, well, of course, you know, the Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it, you know. I mean, right, right. Of, but then she's like, and they're both thinking at the same time. But what about the, about the famine? What about you know, yeah, so yeah, the sparrow gets fed, but what about the flower swallows? They don't get I fed. know. They die yeah. sometimes on the streets. Are they no less valuable to God than I know. And so she does ask these difficult questions about there are Christians that get beaten to death, that get starved to death mm -hmm. in prison camps. Um so so what of that? What about I all know. That? Yeah. I think that, you know. I've got so many thoughts right now. This kind of came up last night, actually, at our home group Bible study. We were talking about, you know, the metaphor of like, you've got the two dogs in the fight, which are you going to feed more? That's going to be the stronger one. And it's just mm -hmm. this idea of, you know, like starve the sin, feed the spirit. And mm -hmm. there you go. You're all set. And like, I had to, I had to be the one to be like, well, what about, <laughs> you know, and what about the person who saved and dies from a drug overdose because they were never fully delivered, you know, right. like God promises freedom, God promises deliverance. And yet a Christian can die of an overdose. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, some of these are just questions that I wrestle with myself. And I think some of it too is wanting to show, I think a lot of my books do this, just that things, things, some Christians just look at things on the surface. They say, mm -hmm. yeah, God's good. I've got food. Amen. What about the Christians who starve to death? You know, like, so I, yeah, I don't have any answers and I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it, that, those kinds of questions, absolutely. I don't want to say plague me because they don't shake my faith in God, but they just, they make me realize that if you've never had to think through those questions, then you're in the top 1%. Do you know what I mean? And Absolutely. So maybe even just the idea of thinking through some of these questions can bring us to a place of deeper spiritual maturity and compassion because it's really easy to have things neat and tidy and spiritually compartmentalized when everything's fine. But, you know, same thing that happens when somebody prays for healing and their loved one dies. You know, what do you do with that? It happens. You've got to, your, your view of God has to be big enough to, I don't know, live in that, I don't want to call it a paradox, but do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And I think if yeah. we, if we are never introduced, so I kind of, I don't know, I kind of liken it to when I was in college and I took a, um, what was it called? It was called, but whatever it was, it was, it was New Testament literature. It was uh -huh. not a theology class. It was at a secular, uh, yeah, I went to Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, or it was, yeah, it, I took an Old Testament and a New Testament class. And both times, one was taught by a ordained minister 
who had a very liberal theology. Mm -hmm. The other was taught by an atheist. And both teachers at the beginning of the class said, this is not a Bible study. This is not seminary. Mm -hmm. This is literature. We're going to study the New Testament or the Old Testament as literature. And um, it shook my faith a little bit. I won't even say it. At first, it felt like it was shaking my faith. Um, but then after a little while, it actually did more to strengthen my faith because, um, because I entertained questions from, I guess you would call the devil's advocate. Um, mm -hmm, but I entertained mm -hmm. these questions that I never would have thought of. And so ultimately it got me to a place of realizing, okay, if I had never asked these questions and I had been confronted with them. I wouldn't know what to do with them, but because mm -hmm. I had time to digest them, I feel like that's what your books do. They raise questions that maybe some of us fortunate one percenters in the West, you know, can process Yeah. before, I mean, and not to say that everyone in the West is in a position where they don't face a lot of really hard stuff. There are those that do, but if we haven't and we're, confronted with them in a safe space where we can process them, take them to God and come mm -hmm. away with a little bit of a bigger, wider perspective. That's what I feel mm -hmm. like these books do is give me a wider perspective of the world. They make me think about things that I maybe right. thought of having never been, well, I've been overseas. I've, I've done some missions, but mm -hmm. having never been in a persecuted nation, it gives me that, that, freedom to do that. So that's what I really do love is I do love the open-ended questions that don't have answers. And as the author, you never claim to have the answers, nor does anyone in the books. So I like that. You see different sides, but not necessarily yeah. a pat tied up with a bow answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. that um, life is more, more complicated than that. And yeah. some people maybe are scared to address the questions because they feel like it might shatter their faith. And, and again, my thought is God's big enough that he can handle our doubts, our questions, our whatabouts, yeah. things like that. I wanted to read something. I just looked up the passage in Flower Swallow, which is yeah. Bloom's story, where he's describing Hannah. So mm -hmm. he calls her auntie, and he Aww. really, really rambles. So I'm going to have to, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to shorten some of it, but I just, I really like what he has to say about her. So um, maybe you'd think with auntie being so into God and spending all that time and energy taking care of us blossoms, which is what she called the street kids she was taking care of, even the ones about to die and go to heaven. You might think she knowed all about the Bible. This is how Moon talks if you haven't read Flower Swallow yet and did devotions every morning where you read some verses and talk about them together and stuff and nonsense like that. Only that's not how Auntie done it. She'd never even seen a Bible on account of those being pretty rare back home. And if you have one, you might get sent to jail. Okay, so real quick, this, um, Hannah and Wung know each other before Hannah goes to the Stearns. So up until that time, she was a Christian but hadn't even seen a Bible. Um, so everything she knowed about God, she knowed from loving him so much. And the rest she learned from Crazy Wu, who's, who's a friend of hers, who teached her. Um, and let me go down either. Cause I, I really like what he has to say about this, but even though auntie didn't know that many Bible stories on account of her not having read them herself, she talked about God all the time. She told us how he created us and loved us and how he could clean away the sin in our hearts and how he promised if we needed something, all we had to do was ask him. And then, um, he goes a little bit into this question of, okay, well, if God gives us all we need, 
you know, why are we so hungry? Because this is during the famine. Um, let me, okay. Let me see if there's one more. Okay. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is Auntie knowed tons from the Bible, even if she didn't have one herself or have none of the parts memorized. Um, here's what I mean. Have you ever heard the verse that says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first? It's one of the famouser ones, as far as I can tell. And Auntie never teached me that verse. But as soon as I heard it in one of Pastor's sermons, I knowed he was talking about her and the way she was always choosing the sickest and weakest of us kids to take care of. And there's another part where it says, if you share a cup of water with a little kid, for example, it's kind of like you're sharing it with Jesus himself. Um, and that got me thinking about Auntie, too, on account of the way she never stopped taking care of us, even when we were hungry, even when we were dying from cold. And that meant she was hungry and near dying of cold, too, I finally figured, only she never complained. And so basically, he's talking about how, at the time he knew Hannah, which is, again, before she goes to the Stearns, before mm -hmm. she meets Simon, before she gets to study, have a Bible of her own, before she can secretly read through Song of Solomon and feel totally guilty about that, <laughs> you know, like she's still living out, living out the gospel. And, and, you know, those of us who grow up in the church, who have access to Bibles whenever we want, I think we would basically Wung's this, this whole thing that Wung's going off on is a tangent complaining that his, his adoptive parents in the States make him read the Bible. <laughs> Yeah. Because they say the only way to grow in your faith is to read the Bible. And he wants to come at them and say, well, what about auntie? She, you know, she was this amazing believer. She's the best Christian I've ever known. She never had a Bible. But anyway, I, I liked, um, you know, just talking about Wong and Hannah and their relationship with each other. And you know how much I love Wong as a character. Um, nearly to the point, I almost love him as much as I love my own kids, which I know like would be sinful if I <laughs> really did. He's not real, but he feels real to me. But just seeing Auntie or Hannah through his eyes, it's just a really fun. So that's Flower Swallow, which is another one of the North Korea books. But. Yeah. Well, and I love, he's another one that uh, even more so than Hannah, like she's got a few mm -hmm. here and there, but he just, he brings up the tough questions and I love yes. it. And Carl, his mm -hmm. adoptive dad, dad Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of almost like looks at him like oh go away stop asking these questions You're <laughs> he's exhausting. a little puppy you know <laughs> he is but it, it, that's sometimes I think how we are is we're mm -hmm. just like oh you know I don't questions just go away make it easy for me to just yeah. believe the the black and white easy mm -hmm, gospel mm -hmm. but it's not and yeah. the only thing that that can make those questions possible is by expanding our view of who God is, mm -hmm. which is comforting to me. Like ultimately, it is. I love the fact, like the more I used to be afraid of those questions, but the more mm -hmm. the questions come up, the more my kids ask, the more I yeah. allow those questions to bubble up and give voice to them mm -hmm. and take them to God, the more I'm like, why do I have to be afraid? God is bigger. So no matter yeah. what that question is, God is bigger than that question and he can handle it. And even if mm -hmm. I can't figure out the answer, yeah, my faith in God, it, I have faith in God. I don't have faith in my interpretation exactly. of scripture. Yeah. I, have, I have faith in who God is. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a shift that I had to end up making. Right. And I think that's a transition that we all have to make at some point is going from believing in our version of the gospel to believing in God. And yes, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That he's the foundation. I heard it stated something like, this is my paraphrase, but you know, if, if God was able to be figured out, he wouldn't be God. Yeah. Like if our finite minds could 
understand God in all his complexity, then he would be just as finite. He couldn't be any less finite than our own brains. Right. You know? or, or he's a fabrication. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, he's he not. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was super, super fun. Um, for those of you listening, I, I do want to give a plug for Flower Swallow just because even thinking about when, like, my heart's all maternal towards him. Um, <laughs> the, the Flower Swallow is on audiobook, but it's not going to be one of the ones that we can put on to the unabridged podcast just because of different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like copyright, all of those kinds of things. Technical <laughs> it's, it's stuff that's boring Technical, to talk legal about. stuff. It's only available on Audible. So if you're interested in Moon's story, that's Flower Swallow. Um, and also a uh, plug for the Praying Christian Women podcast, which Jamie and I do co-host. It comes out episodes every Monday, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talk a lot about prayer and stuff like that. So again, thank you, Jamie. This is so fun. Like it's fun to read an old book. It's fun to have a reason to go back and reread. And it's really, really fun to kind of hear your thoughts and the things that you picked up on. So thank you. Yeah. I love doing it. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening and stay tuned. I don't know exactly what audiobook is coming up next, but stay tuned because season four of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Podcast is starting soon. And I can't wait to share another novel with you guys. Talk to you later.